Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lightwork Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Angelina Serino, and I'm so excited to have you here. If you are ready to deepen your faith in yourself and life to create greater abundance, meaning, and impact, then I know this episode is going to light you up. Today, we have Richard Andersoloni with us, whose journey has taken him from a seven-year sojourn as a monk to raising billions of dollars to develop wireless technology and is now a partner at Gravity Group, a venture capital firm with a focus on impact projects and companies that are changing the world. He is also a partner at Music House, Alchemy, Seeds of Life, Pachamama, and co-owner of the Outpost Hotel in Ubu. He also co-founded Penjiwan, a community of amazing souls and villas in Bali, and is an investor in Viori, which is based in Encinitas. And what I love about Andrew is his ability to harness his spiritual energy to create magic, miracles, and true abundance in this dimension. Also, his adaptability and courage to make the necessary changes when life beckons him to do so. So him and I have a a similar journey in that we've done many things, and I'm just so inspired at the level of what he's done. So um, I know that you guys are going to be so inspired by this conversation. So can you start off by sharing about your journey as a monk and how that has impacted your life and business experiences? Yeah, well, first off, I, I grew up in the, uh, in the 50s and 60s and, you know, grew up at an era when I believed that America was the greatest country on earth and the American dream was the greatest opportunity for freedom and expression one could have. And so I, I was pursuing, you know, that, that path of doing the best I could at school, being a great athlete you know, gaining a scholarship to the, you know, to the finest universities that would eventually, uh, you know, lead me to a career on, on Wall Street and, and all of the accoutrements that would go with the American dream. And uh, in the late 60s, I started experimenting with psychedelics and I got introduced to, to meditation. And in the course of, of six months, my perspective on what was real and what was important changed so radically that my path forward the ivy league education and the and the road to to wall street seemed like a uh, a fractured fairy tale a painted cake that could not satisfy hunger but it was a very confusing time because i i i lost my belief in what was but i wasn't sure what the alternative was and and where i could I could go, and that just led me on a very, what I would call a kind of a dark night of the soul. I became very um, isolated from from friends that still, you know, believed in the in the American dream and and the kinds of things that I was talking about. They thought I was crazy, and and when I finally announced that I'm not going to go that path and I'm going to go on a spiritual journey, see if I can find myself, people thought I was crazy. I mean, they actually really thought that I should be committed that you know someone like myself doesn't do something like that it's only somebody who's displaced who doesn't fit in not somebody who was excelling so well at all the things that seemed to be you know so important so it was a it was a scary journey at first but but as time rolled out i began to you know to realize that this was exactly what i needed and that by going on an inner search to find myself maybe then i could figure out where i fit you know in the world 
Yes. And so this led you to the monastery. Can you share a little bit about that experience for us? What that was like for you? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the typical monastery that, that you would think of. First of all, it was founded by one of the uh, disciples of Paramahansa Yogananda. Um, Paramahansa Yogananda had always talked, he had a vision of, of communities growing, these spiritually oriented communities where people would live together in a, in a closer shared environment. Um, they'd live more naturally with, with strong um, spiritual precepts. And this monk, you know, believed that the 60s generations of hippies that were starting to um, awaken through psychedelics to find interest in yoga and meditation and self-exploration, that these might be the people that Yogananda was talking about that, that could do this. And so he, he helped create, uh, along with, you know, all of us, this magnificent community. We had four, we had four separate ranches. At the height, we were up to about 350 uh, people. We had schools for our children. We built our own homes. We grew our food. We built some of the, the, uh, the original natural food supermarkets that were in California, the juice factories, the bakeries. We helped farmers convert to organic food. So there was a, a, a supply chain. And we built a very, very successful spiritual life that was, that was balanced on being self-sustained by doing things that we loved and serving the, the community. Um, and making money by doing things that we believed in and serving other people. So those principles became very foundational for me when I decided it was time for me to leave the, the monastery and, um, and enter into the business world myself. Mm -hmm. And I love that there was a strong focus on the business with the natural foods and the being in community and on the land. And, and I keep feeling like this is what the universe is trying to help us see that we're missing, you know, is that we've become so disconnected from nature and community, which is really how we thrive as spiritual beings. Um, and then there's the service piece, you know, which is how do you create value in the world? So it's interesting. I would like to hear about uh, how you at the monastery balance your spiritual practice with like managing these stores. So did you have like a certain number of hours per day that you were focusing on, on, on your meditation or how did that look? Well, it was different for different people based on where they were on their spiritual journey. There are some people that were really not suited, you know, to live a very um, quiet, sedentary life. Their minds are too busy, they're, they're too active. And those people can actually grow more by being active you know, serving, serving people. And then there were others that were more suited for contemplation. So one of my roles at the, at the monastery was to try to figure out where people fit best. So maybe your best role was, was driving one of our, our semi-trucks and delivering food to natural food stores, you know, all over California. Or maybe you were more uh, into solitude. So you lived in one of our wilderness ranches and actually herded goats and, and lived in teepees that, that moved along with the goats as we grazed them through the wilderness. So we tried to allow for where somebody was, you know, in their practice and then find a place where they best fit into the community. And part of the essence was there had to be a willingness to serve and you couldn't always do ideally what you wanted to do, but in time, your brilliance would shine and opportunity would, would come match for exactly what fit you. And I think we did a pretty good job, you know, at that. 
That's beautiful. Yeah, there are definitely different personality types. And even with creativity, you know, some people are great in the morning and some people are better at night. And, you know, sometimes I, I've had these ideas that I've heard from various spiritual teachers about waking up early in the morning or having like a four hour practice per day. And for me, that never felt resonant because it just felt not really practical. And so I do what feels in flow for myself. And just where do we find that edge between our ego getting in our own way? and actually something being good for us spiritually to grow. Can you speak into that at all? Because I feel like there's, you probably have some really valuable insight there. Well, the, you know, the, the interesting thing is the journey is all about making decisions from the inside out rather than the outside in. And we're programmed, you know, from our earliest days as children and in school to seek first what will be accepted and what will make us loved, what will make us honored, what will make us popular. And so we always process our choices on what we think other people will want. And the, and the spiritual journey is, is all about learning how to turn that process around and actually choosing from the inside out what is most authentic you know, to, to you and making your choices based on that. And that goes for everything. You know, for example, let's say you're trying to, to get your, your diet better. So you're reading a book that resonates with you on diet, and that may point you in the right direction and, and help you understand things, but ultimately, everybody is different. Uh, there is no one diet that's right for anybody, and so the, the journey is really about attuning you to start to experience what works for you so you can start making decisions about your diet from the inside out, where your body actually starts telling you what it is that you need, um, when you need to eat it, if you need to fast, when you need to, to fast. So again, we go from looking to the outside for answers to just allowing outside to create some direction of interest where we can have an inner experience that can reflect a sense of what resonates with us so that we can then come from the, you know, from the inside out. And so the spiritual journey really in essence is awakening to your own authenticity and then allowing your authenticity to find its voice and its place in relationships, in society, in business, wherever that might be. Uh -huh. Yes, we are in the time of truth. I feel more and more truth is coming out these days. Um, so in finding that inner voice and in finding that inner truth, what are some of the practices that you do? Is it a seated practice? Do you do writing exercises? I'm curious like to get into your mind and daily life. What does that look like? Because I know you manage so much. Um, so how do you find that inner voice when the world is swirling around you? Well, you know, that's changed at different times in my life. My practice has been, has been very different. Um, my practice now has has deepened again because now I'm, although I, I spin a lot of plates, I'm very careful that I only do what's essential for me to do in each one of those projects that I'm involved in. And I have really learned, you know, the art of not trying to do something that isn't mine to do and really empowering others and allowing, you know, teamwork that ultimately brings you to the place that all you have to do is what you're most brilliant at. And that has actually afforded me um, the time to go much deeper again into my practice. So today I spend a lot of time in, in my practice, which is not always you know, practical or, or available to everyone. Yeah. 
And do you have any mantras or do you do silent meditation? I'm curious what your meditation. Yeah, I, I do many, I do many things. I, I, you know, I, uh, during my seven year sojourn as a monk, I studied all of the world's great traditions and religions. And I just, I mined the gold of what I found in, in native American Indian shamanism and what I found in Hinduism, what I found in Buddhism, what I found in Christianity and just the things that resonated for me, I just developed into my own practice. And so I use a number of different, you know, meditation techniques. And sometimes those change depending upon what speaks for me at, at that stage of my life of, you know, where I am. Yeah, totally. Same. So I would love to hear a little bit more about the journey of when you left the monastery and kind of stepped into this like big, crazy business world and, and what that was like for you internally and externally, like, you know, just a little bit of that story of fundraising billions of dollars and, you know, were you getting the downloads to do these things, to connect with these people, were things showing up on your path? I know it sounded a lot like the surrender experiment when you shared your, your full uh, story with me. Yeah, I, I think that the reference to the surrender experience is really important because every time a real clear path opened for me that became um, effortless flow and full synchronicity was not when I was trying to make something happen, but when I allowed for something to happen. Not when I was seeking so much to find something, but when I was quiet and listening and observing to what was right in front of me. And I became very practiced at that difference of what happens when you get active in your mind and you're trying to make something happen. You're not really present in the, in the moment. You're so focused on what it is that you're trying to do that you're not seeing what's around you, you know, at, at that moment. And so learning to, to just sit and listen and realize that every moment is perfect, absolutely perfect, just as it is. And in every moment, if you're present, you will recognize that everything that it is that you need for where you are in your journey at that moment exists in the moment for you to know and understand if you're present with it. The moment you leave that moment and go someplace else, then you're existing in an artificial, manufactured reality created by your own dreams, your own desires, your own ego that has nothing to do with what's really happening, you know, at the moment. So it's all about, you know, just practicing the presence, watching to see what, what comes to you, and then where the opportunities lie. Maybe a better way to put it is it's, it's really asking yourself, how do you show up for every moment. You can walk into a moment with an idea of like, for example, how did I show up for this interview? I could have showed up with this idea of something that I wanted to say, something that I wanted to do, something I wanted to happen. And you could have started asking me questions that were not in line with that. And so immediately I'm experiencing a disconnect and a sense of disappointment because I was expecting something to happen that wasn't there. Rather than just showing up and seeing what is, what's in that moment, and how am I there not to take what I expected from that moment, but how am I there to serve what that moment is and give to it the best that I have to give to it? That is the simplest, most fundamental practice. But when you do that, the transformation that will occur 
in your life, you will begin to see in every moment you find yourself, if you go into it with the idea of, let me listen to what it is, and whatever it is, even if it's an uncomfortable moment, even if it's a tragic moment, what is it that I can do at that moment because of the skill that I have or an insight that I have that I can make that moment better than it is? And if you will do that, magic will occur in your life. Opportunities will occur in your life. You will be doing things for people because you responded that way that people will then in turn give opportunities to you because of how available you were to them. And so it, all of a sudden things start happening for you, not because you were trying to make something happen, but you were simply just trying to serve what is. I'll give you an, an example. So when I left the monastery, I was really, really confused. It was, it was entering into a very different, a very, very different world. And I was going from a lifestyle where I was a renunciant. You know, a renunciant is one who tries to find truth by denying him, himself or herself of what we believe are to be distractions so we can get to the core essence of, of what's pure and right. And that was a, I, I learned a lot on that path, but after seven years, I realized that there's, there's another path to awakening into spirituality, and that's the tantric path, where the tantric path is not about denial. The tantric path is more about being present and being aware of what it is that you desire, and then do it, but do it consciously. Watch it. See how it's serving you. What are you learning from it? How are you immersing yourself into the oneness? How does that experience become your opportunity to, you know, to merge fully into the experience? So now I'm in a world where I want to experience things, but I see myself, well, I was a monk, and what do I know how to do? Well, I really know how to listen to people. I understand the art of listening. I can be patient. I know how to meditate. I know how to help people be the best that they can become because I listen to them carefully. But I wasn't sure how, what, is, what does that translate to, you know, in the world? I'm going out into the world. I no longer have a college degree. I've been in a monastery, you know, for seven years. We've created some successful businesses, but I never really ran any one of those businesses. I wasn't the marketing person or the general manager or any. That was not my that was my thing. I was really more a meditation leader and a counselor and an inspirer of, of, of people. But in time, I began to actually realize that because I listened to people, they felt secure with me. They, they felt heard. They felt seen by me. And what started to happen was I started meeting some very powerful people that felt seen by me in a way that they had never felt seen before and thought that there was a magic you know, to that and wanted, they just wanted me around. And then the next thing that they saw was that I not only made them feel that way, I made all the other people in the company, you know, feel that way. And all of a sudden people were working better together. They were more respectful of each other. They were communicating with each other. And so more and more opportunities kept coming my way. And, I, and then I just surrendered is that is what I am. I'm not a marketer per se. I understand marketing. I'm not, a, I understand finance. I'm not a finance person. What I do is I bring people together. I help them understand their brilliance and I help them best integrate it with others so that the result is greater than the, 
than the sum. And that's really what I've done in, in every business that I've been involved in. It's what a testament to presence, the power of just being right here with what's in front of us. Like you said, the mind, the tendency of the mind is to forward project into future outcomes, um, to think of external validation or think of what other people want from you, but to just be with what's in front of you and, and the magic that has unfolded in your life as a result is really beautiful to witness. And, and it brings up a lot of questions in people's mind, like, well, then what is the value of goal setting? I thought goal setting is so important. If you believe in the law of manifestation, you have to desire something to want it. And I absolutely understand that. But I look at goals more as directionality than exactly where I'm going. Goals for me are an inspiration of a direction that I feel inspired to move, that I feel the universe calling me to. But what happens, with the goal often is again, back to the analogy, you're driving in your car and you're heading towards your goal. Your hand is on the wheel, you're looking straight out the window and you're heading toward to what you believe your goal is. If you look at your goal more than this intuitive direction that you're moving in, when you're driving down the road, you'll be more relaxed and you'll be looking out the window at each side because what you may need to see next may be right there in that moment where you're looking out the window and you could drive right past it because in your moment today you can only sense what's available to your future but there's so much more out there that's a part of you that you need to connect to to really make that opportunity happen and oftentimes because we're not present we go right past it the greatest opportunities that are sitting right there to make our dreams come true we've walked right past them because we think we're so clear on exactly what it is that we that we need that we miss it Yes. I had a very similar experience when I was running an agency and everything was deadline oriented and all of my clients had their deadlines and oftentimes they were missing them anyways because other things were coming up. And, and I just felt like we're so disconnected from nature in having, yes, goals and visions and dreams, but not so structured to the point that we're not available and open to what's around us. Because I also have been guided into directions where I never expected myself to be. And it was really through that process of allowing. So I love how you said that, like you have to look out the window as you're driving and be aware of where you are and be, I think, fluid with your goal setting. Not about the goal itself, but really tapping into what is the feeling that I want to have and letting that guide you. How do you goal set? Do you have dates and timelines or how do you work with that kind of structure within the flow? Yeah, for me, where I am in my life, because I've created such a magnificent group of people around me, I don't really deal with, with timelines at all. I really try to stay in the highest plane of, of ideas and, and energy and inspiration and just allow the people that do that better, you know, to, to do that. But again, what it really boils down to is catching yourself if your goals are taking you out of the present, they're not serving you. If you're in the supermarket and you think that shopping 
is a mundane activity and it's something that you just need to do because you have to do it so you can go and get to what's really important. While you're in the supermarket, you're not gonna be present. You're gonna be thinking about what you think is important next. And there could have been an opportunity of somebody standing in line, you know, with you. There could have been an opportunity of the, of the cashier that was really having a difficult day and that you could have intuited that, recognized that, found a simpler way to compliment them. You know, that's a really beautiful blouse that you're wearing. It just does wonders, you know, for your eyes that could at that moment just change that person's, you know, reality. And that could have done more for you in terms of what you were there to do at that moment, but you could have missed, you know, that moment. In relationship to your career, I have met, okay, so I'll give you an example. Most people that do what I do, they go to New York, uh, they go to investment bankers, they go to uh, investment venture capital firms in Silicon Valley, and they pitch what they do very traditional way, you know, to raise money. They line up, we're going to pitch 10 agencies, we're going to do 10 a day. I don't do any of that. Some of my partners do, and it's the right thing to do. I throw parties. <laughs> I, I throw parties at my house in Villa. I throw parties at my, at my house here. And I try to curate these, you've been to one, I try to curate very incredible events, trans, transformational events that people are going to deeply remember. And it attracts really, really interesting people. And I've raised more money for my ventures at those parties, never pitching what I did. Someone just being so curious about who I am and what's created this house and what's created this energy and how do I know all of these people and what is it that you do? And I'll just share, I, you know, I kind of do this and that. Well, I, can you tell me more about that? Yeah. Oh, I think I might be really interested in that. Oh, oh, oh okay. I'll, then I'll, 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 I'll set you up with my, with my folks and we'll give you a, a, you know, a presentation. So it's, it's that idea of just, just be present. Just do what you do best. And you're going to awaken to magic forces that have been around you have always been around you that you have not allowed yourself to see because you have pre-selected in your mind what you think are important moments and where you think the magic is is going to happen and you get out of the habit of being receptive to and flowing with the magic and thinking that you have to create it all by your own efforts and your own ideas mm -hmm. yes i have fallen victim to that in my past and also come into a better place of presence and just the reminder though that it is affecting physical reality and that there is this force that's working with us this is a co-creative spiritual experience um, and one of the ways that i have really found is through breath i'm curious what your practices are around breath do you do any breath work pranayama i do i do a lot of pranayama yeah, I mean, you know, breath is one of the the fastest way to transcend the you know the separate self and feel connection to prana, feel connection to a vital force that's connected that you're breathing in from the universe that revitalizes you and connects you to a higher intelligence. Yeah, absolutely. And I even feel that the out breath, the in breath, is the relationship, and that's really how the universe determines our allowing. 
our level of allowing is how much breath are we willing to take in and receive. And that's where a lot of the information is and the knowledge and awareness actually coming yes. in through the breath. And, and to your point, how, not only how much are you able to take in, but how much do you allow, you know, that breath to feel, to really feel you, to, to go to each cell, to revitalize each cell, to charge each cell in your body. I mean, you're simply just breathing in and getting the oxygen, the minimum amount of oxygen you need to keep your brain and your heart functioning, or are you magnetizing activating, energizing every cell in your body with prana because you're simply taking the time to follow your breath from the beginning of its process through your nose, filling you know, your body and then allowing it to release and taking any of the, of the residue that, that cleanses the body and allows for the new energy to, you know, to settle in and allow anything that needs to come and be cleansed you know, to, to leave. I mean, just that practice alone will transform your perception of yourself and your connection to the universe. Absolutely. It's medicine. For me, the breathwork practices that I've learned, that in combination with movement have definitely been the biggest transformative experiences of my life. So I want to I wanna chat a little bit about the state of the world and particularly with spiritual entrepreneurs, a lot of who their businesses relied on doing one-on-ones, healings, working with people, um, and doing events, small events, large events in person, and all of that is now gone. Um, we don't know when it's gonna come back. A lot of people are looking at going online or doing different things and stepping into new shoes, new roles. Because someone who has adapted so much in their career, what advice would you give to someone to help them navigate this unknown territory and, and find their way through it with success? Yeah, I would say first is really taking advantage of the slowdown that's, that's occurring and recognizing that this is a really important time for humanity. And certain individuals, and I'm sure many of them who who would tune in and listen you know, to your message are recognizing that this is the time that the caterpillar stops eating, hangs itself on a twig, and starts to spin its silky chrysalisith web and starts to go through its transformation process. We are experiencing a phenomenal change in the world. We're experiencing the death and the dying of systems that can no longer serve humanity. Systems that have been fed by a third dimensional, lower vibrational energy that the, move, that the earth has since moved out of, that will, will no longer support. So there is a natural dying and decaying you know, of, of those systems. But in the 5D energetic field, there are new systems that are being that are being created, new ways of things that are being done. Each one of us has this opportunity now to go into this chrysalis program process of, of transforming ourselves so that we're energetically tuned in to what the new world is going to look like. So we're energetically tuned in to what our gift is and how does that gift find its voice, find its relevance in the new world that is that is being creative. And 
there are no answers. There's no book that you can go to read this. This requires you going on your own journey, on your own area of, of trust, which says dive deeply. Take this time to dive deeply into your authenticity. Who are you really? As we emerge in this post-COVID world, what do you want to emerge at? Who is the person that, that you want to be? And what do you think that world is going to look like? And how are your services going to be relevant in that new world? You have to find that relevance yourself. And those people are going to thrive, just as new systems are, are going to thrive. Many of the companies that, that I'm involved in, in creating, they are going to thrive in this new environment. While we're and not that we won't feel the undertow, of everything going down because the availability of, of cash is going to be felt you know, everywhere. So there's not gonna be as much money that naturally just flows into these things, but there is gonna be a movement of something new as the, old, as the old decays. We'll all feel it, we'll all feel the pain from it, but we've gotta figure out where is that new direction? How do I become a part of that new direction? And understand that it's not you alone. There is a force, there is an evolutionary force, just like the force of nature, the force of consciousness is moving us towards evolution. It's moving us towards a higher way of being, a higher way of expressing ourselves. And whatever it is that you do, it has to be a part of that new evolution, you know, that new expression. Absolutely. We are being forced into ascension in many ways. And you know, I'm thrilled about it because I know that what's gonna come out of this is a revision, which we need on all levels. Um, we've just been functioning on this planet in such a way that's not sustainable and, and it's time for the shift. Uh, and thank you also for bringing up the fact that it's going to be a new world with new requirements. People are gonna want different things and, and that's one of the most important things. I hear some entrepreneurs saying that they can't wait for things to get back to normal and I keep kind of reminding people that it's not actually going to go back to normal. You know, and so I think that there's a, a vision or a dream that maybe things can go back to the way that people knew how to make money or these systems that they were relying on because it feels safe, it feels secure, um, but rather to tap into that excitement of what's possible now. Well, again, it's, it's, it's really interesting. What we call the return to normal is a return to insanity. It's a return to a system that was no longer working, a system that is a freight train moving 60 miles an hour towards a brick wall. It is simply not sustainable. It cannot continue. And if it were to continue, the results for all of humanity would be disastrous because it's not, it's not sustainable. And so we need a new normal. And that normal has got to be tied to sustainable. Whatever it is that we do, is that methodology, is the process, is the, the implications or the effects of what we do, is it bringing us to a sustainable future? Will that allow 8 billion people to be sustainable on that planet? That has to be the new paradigm. Everything that we look at, sustainability is the new is the new value system is this going to create a sustainable future a future that allows our ecosystems to remain sustained a, a, a future that allows us to be able to nourish our body you know with 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 healthy food to be able to breathe 
you know, clean air, to be able to have our children, you know, educated in a way that encourages them to be who they are, as opposed to these programmed, you know, robots, um, where where, where the, the commercials on television tell them what will make them acceptable, what will make them attractive, what will make them feel wanted, or, you know, we've been just manipulated into this sense of normal that we should be celebrating the chance that there's a break in the action and we get to redefine normal. Mm. Yes. I'm, I'm with the presence, you know, I'm really like with you. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I'm interviewing. Like, I need to ask a question. But just to be with that for a moment, it's just so good. So because we need a sustainable future to move towards, working together is a huge part of that. And I've seen this surge of solopreneurs, um, like myself even, who mostly work alone on their own businesses. Um, but part of what Lightwork Tribe is about is bringing people together to actually support one another and to have businesses that can thrive on each other, doing things that are more supportive for more people. And I just wonder if you have any advice for collaboration or things that you have found that have worked to harmoniously working with others in like a win-win situation? Well, first of all, I, I, I was so excited to, to do this podcast because I so believe in, in you and what you're doing. And I think the work that you're doing is so important because the new dawn is going to be based on people taking the time to find their genius, to find what really, really speaks to them. That says, if I could do this, and I could make my way, you know, in in the world, this is what I really believe that I'm that I'm here to do. And in order to to do that, there's there's a number of different journeys that happen. First, it's your own spiritual journey that takes you to how do you find your own authenticity? How do you find your voice? And then how do you then become the best that you could be at what it is that you found? And then the next stage becomes, well now, how do I take who I am and offer it in a relevant way that people will find enough value in it that they'll be willing to exchange what they have for me so that I can sustain myself and continue to give back with what I have. That is where we all ultimately wanna go. I think this network that you're building is so important, and I saw some of your curriculum. I believe that you understand the tools that are going to be necessary, you know, for the for the new entrepreneur. And so, what I what I'm saying is, if you're in the process of reinventing yourself, maybe reinventing yourself to find you know, what your authenticity is, or you've already found that, and now you're looking for the new relevant way in which to share it. I think by creating a network where people can learn, you know, how do I do a blog? How do I do a podcast? You know, how do I present myself in a, in, you know, in a, in a way that's going to make me stand out that best share my, my message? I think all these kinds of services that you're offering and then sharing the success stories, creating the, you know, the taglines with, with, somebody really relating to what somebody else is going through so now there's chats that are happening amongst those people where we can be sharing stories and and sharing networks and and really important how do we build our own ecosystem of within our own networks learning who the tribe members are 
learning what the services that they have to offer. So if you need that service, you're supporting another member, you know, of the tribe. And then, and in so doing, how do we create, you know, our own barter system so that as much as our needs can actually be met by trading with somebody else that does something different. So we're continually minimizing the current currency today of having to make money to do something, but the exchanging of goods and services by valuing, you know, each other. How do we build that in the community? Those are all the kinds of things that I see can come from the work that, that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. And for those of you who haven't seen yet what I'm launching, it's basically an opportunity to bottle your genius, to create an online course. I have course in a box templates. I have immersions where I'm going to hold your hand. It's, it's a full process of supporting you and getting the work done and effectively reaching a large audience and building a tribe. So, so yes, it's so important right now that we stand up and share our message and really integrate our inner experience with our outer experience. So how do you make decisions about where to invest your time, energy, and money? Because I feel like that's a really important conversation right now, especially with the rebuilding that's happening. What guidance can you give them to help them navigate? First thing, my first advice is try to stay in your field of, of passion. Stay with something that you really, really believe in, something that you know something about, something that, that speaks to you, and invest in what you believe not only needs to happen to make the world a better place, something that will facilitate you know, your ability to do what it is that you need to do or what you believe other people need to do. And then the third is be incredibly practical. I, I teach something that's called the five powers. And then the, the first power is, is the awakening of your gift and the recognition of your gift. The second power is what I call the, the, um, the familiarization phase. And that is that you learn everything that there is about your gift. So you're actually building the, the tools and the skills and the know-how to express your gift in a way that you can really make a difference. The third phase is practical relevance. It's called the farming phase. If you're a, a farmer in Minnesota, your favorite food might be papayas, but you're not gonna grow papayas in Minnesota because it's just not going to work. So you have to get incredibly relevant. You need intellectual relevance. You have to understand what is relevant at this point and time. Because if you're too far ahead of yourself, you can invest in something that the world's not ready for and you can and you can lose your money. Or you can be investing in something that you believe is right, but it, there's, there's not really a need for it, a recognized need you know, in the world. So you really have to focus on relevance. And I, again, often say the best thing to invest in, invest in yourself, invest in making yourself the best that you can be so you can share your gift. Because I think you came here for a reason and you have a gift and your reason for being here is to share that gift. So if you're gonna invest, invest in everything you need to do to bring yourself to a place where that gift has the opportunity to be offered and enjoyed and valued by others. Yes, 
and some people might be facing financial hardships at this time. Um, so, you know, that said, energy is an investment, right? A time is an investment. So where you put your focus matters right now. And actually bringing back to your experience in the telecom industry, I know that you've experienced loss with such grace. Uh, is there anything that you could share about that story, kind of the journey that you went through there? So the story really begins with, I had a vision. And the vision was I learned about something that was coming in the future, which was cellular mobile telephones. I read a white paper from, from Bell Labs, which is basically you know, a scientific theory of this new technology. And I had no technical background you know, at all, but I just found it so profound, this idea that a phone number attached to a person as opposed to attached to a physical place was gonna change the world as we knew it. It was gonna change the way that we work, it was gonna change the way we communicate, it was gonna change the way we educate, it was gonna change the way we entertain. I saw it very, very clearly. This is going to, this is going to, you know, to change the world. And I believed in it so much that I started talking to people that I thought were in a position to be able to take advantage of it. And in so doing, the way that I work my magic, they wanted me along in this, in this process. And in a very short period of time, I became a president of one of the largest companies in, in America doing this. Now, one of my big drives for it was I was into it because of the transformational qualities of it. I was seeing it very idealistically. That having phones like this is going to require not us being in, in office buildings all the time, less cars on the freeway, less office buildings. My biggest illusion actually was that it was going to make us so efficient that we would move to four hour work days and people would spend more time being, you know, creative and, and expressive. What I learned in that journey, because it was one of the fastest growing, largest money making enterprises the world has ever, you know, experienced was that I was in the middle of a massive, massive grab for money with some of the most powerful people in the world. And that's what this game was really all about. People were not interested in any of those things that I really thought where the value was. It was just about, there's an endless demand for this and there's an endless demand to make money. So I fell into the world for many years. It says, okay, I'm just gonna go along on this ride and I'm gonna just make as much money as I can. And then I'm going to come to a point when the ride is over, I'm going to be a very wealthy man and I'm going to be able to do whatever it is that I want to do, set up my foundations and, 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 and all of those, all of those components. And then what happened was the crash of 2008 and the crash of 2008 was devastating for tech companies uh, like myself and the vast wealth that I had built almost evaporated overnight. And I spent two years cleaning up a, you know, a global mess of, of, of companies that were going bankrupt or becoming insolvent, as many tech companies did at that time. Um, but my A-type personality said, okay, I'm going to create a new venture firm. I'm going to go out and I'm going to create the money again. But now I was living back in Encinitas where really before I was kind of traveling all over the world. They had an apartment in New York and I was in Israel and I was in Europe and and. My meditation practice at that time was really more maintenance rather than growing. But now I'm back in Encinitas, I'm spending more time at home, I'm 
back on a raw food diet. I'm doing more yoga. I'm doing more meditation. And I found myself really just not attracted to what I was doing at all. I was dreading the meetings. I was dreading it all. And one day my daughter says, said, she, she gives me one of these deep looks in my eyes, says, dad, what are you doing? And I go, what do you mean? She goes, why are you, why are you doing this? You didn't raise us to be materialistic. We don't really care, you know, about all your money. Why don't you just do, you know, what you love? And the light just went on. And I, it was just like one of those transformational experiences. And from that moment on, I just said, that's it. I will never invest another dime. I will never accept another meeting with anybody that I'm not totally turned on by someone that I want to hang out with, somebody whose energy is interested in making the world a better place, whose product is interested in making the world a better place, whose service is interested in making the world a better place. And it changed all of my focus. And it wasn't about anymore whether I had to spend time because the company was worth $10 million or $20 million. I was willing to talk to, you know, Joe from Viore, you know, in Encinitas, who had this great idea of making these, you know, this organic, wholesome, clothing for, for working out or somebody that wanted to start a um you know a raw food restaurant or uh, it was just small projects authentic people and it, it brought me back into a flow of just loving what i was doing loving the people that i was working with which then led me to um a conversation with a psychic that I had. I said, I'm, I'm moving to Bali and I'm just gonna go and do these small little businesses like this because this is what I find wholesome and this is what I find meaningful. And she said to me, that's what you think you're going to do. And, and that's what you need to do right now because you need to heal yourself from all the damage of what happened. But you didn't have all the experience that you had doing what you're doing to do small things. Some of the small things that you're doing are going to become the big things of what's next. And they're going to need to grow and thrive. And they're going to need all of the skills that you had of raising the large amounts of money and structuring the companies and creating the mergers and acquisitions for, for these new things. And that's uh, what what began to happen? I started moving my focus then away from some of the smaller projects to more projects that I believed could really be major transformational influences, you know, in the um, in the future. But the the lesson really all along is you can never wait. There's never going to be this day that's going to come where you can finally give back. Wherever you are, whatever your means is, whatever it is that you're doing, as humble as it is, you have to look at every day as your opportunity to give back. How do you take whatever it is that you have, as meager as it may seem, that is a blessing? How do you find a way with sharing with, with others? And that's what creates abundance. That creates a movement out. When we say life moves in a circle, well, abundance moves in a vortex. When you share what it is that you have, as meager and humble as it is, it moves out through the universe and comes back to you gaining momentum and it hits you back with a new return on what you gave and it spins you to the next level. And each time you do it, it spins you to the next level. It spins you to the next level. And you start to get caught in this vortex of giving and, and receiving that becomes your own momentum for growth and, and expansion. Beautifully said. Mm, I got goosebumps through my whole body as you were sharing that, this vortex of energy, because it's just, and I just looked down, it was 222, you know, but it's like, 
boom, it hits you. And yes, it's, it's an energy. It's an exchange. And remembering that even when there's collapse all around you, to have faith in this experience. And I think the last thing that I, that I, that I wanted to say is I know how powerfully captivating fear can be when you really don't know, you know where, your, where, where your security lies. And what I wanted to tell you is just focus. Focus on any opportunity in front of you to just serve somebody, serve something. It will create a positive vortex, a positive energy flow of you taking advantage of an opportunity to give to where it's needed that will create a dynamic experience in your life that anything that is possible for you to happen is going to be more likely to happen that way than you sitting around just worrying about, oh my God, how am I, how am I going to do this? Just go out there and exchange and just give yourself to people. Give yourself to people and you will be amazed at opportunities will show up ideas will, will show up in ways that you never expected that you would not attract to you if you were just sitting worrying about it. That is powerful advice. So thank you so much for sharing all these different pieces of your journey. It's just so amazing to be here with you and talk to you and uh, your wisdom is, is really needed in the world right now and I'm so happy that I'm able to bring it to my audience and um, just, yeah, thank you for being you and for all the ways that you show up in the world and the parties that you throw. <laughs> <laughs> it was really, really very enjoyable being here with you and, uh, and, and seeing you and hearing your voice and uh, I hope soon that we can see each other. And thank you to all of you for being here with us today and sharing your time and energy. If you are interested in learning more about investment opportunities for impact projects that you may be working on, you can go to www.gravity.group. And if you're interested to learn more about Andrew's one-on-one -on -one transformational coaching, you can go and email him directly at ohasross at gmail.com, which is o j a s r a s at gmail.com and lastly if you're interested in resources and training for teaching online be sure to sign up for the email list at lightworktribe.co that's lightworktribe.co and i look forward to connecting with you on future episodes and being together again sending you all so much love